This is Jess Explores. I'm Jess and I work in Mare, the SFI Research Center for Energy, Climate and Marine. Join me today on a new episode of Jess Explores. Within minutes of landing, I got more than I bargained for. Now, my friend stayed at a lovely hotel. I decided to go for an Airbnb. I'm not quite sure why, because I could have definitely afforded I could have afforded a five-star hotel for less than 70 euros, but yet I went for a four-euro Airbnb. I know. And that place, to be fair, that place was very nice. It was just in the middle of an apartment complex, and it was huge, and there was lots of people around. But the second I showed up, everybody hid, which made me think maybe I'm not in the right place. Uh, it was also very late at night, and I knew that early the next day I was going to leave for where where I was going to go. So I didn't make much of it. I went to bed in the spirit of Christmas, and because you may need a little bit of distraction and you may wish you were someplace else, I figured I'm going to tell you the story about getting lost in the jungles of Malaysia. Now, a bit of a backstory. In February of 2014, I got married to my lovely husband. Uh, in August, the same year, I moved to Hong Kong without my lovely husband. Yes, we are still married. And in October of 2014, I decided to take a week off and go to Malaysia. I had a friend that decided to come with me and we had this plan, this grand scheme of plan to just spend a whole week together and really enjoy all the things that Malaysia had to offer. Uh, that wasn't quite what happened. So we took off on, I think it was a Friday night, and we went to Kota Kinabalu. I may have butchered that just now, but Let's go with that. It was in the region of Sabah. And as we landed, I was immediately in culture shock because Hong Kong is quite developed. And that part of Malaysia that we were in, not so much. And that was, you know, was to be expected and it was totally fine. It was just my own expectations. I'm not quite sure what I what I imagined. Now, I probably should also mention that when I travel someplace, I rarely look into lots of pictures. I try to get a little bit of a feel of where I'm going to go, but mostly I just want to be surprised and want to be excited about landing and just getting all of the senses and the smells and all of that. And let me tell you, there was lots of insects in that place, but I'm not going to go into lots of details there because that was just uh, scary to say the least. So that's all fine. Slept fine. I didn't tell my mom I did any of that because she would have killed me because how could I go into the middle of a jungle all by myself, not worrying about anything and not having safety being my biggest concern. Anyways, at four in the morning... I had to get to the airport and for some odd reason I just figured there would be a lot of cab drivers around which they weren't so 
I had this backpack on me that was bigger than myself and my camera, which back then in 2014, I still had like a really fancy, nice camera. And, and I walked out the front door and there was a car, which really in hindsight wasn't a taxi, but in my brain at that early hour, I figured it was going to take me to the airport. Um, as I say that out loud, I understand that that seems a bit mad. And to be honest, it was mad. But that guy did take me to the airport. <laughs> and there was two other guys in the back, and I'm not sure if they even wanted to go to the airport. But they, you know, it did look like a hiring service. So, you know, I'm not going to worry too much about it. I got to the airport on time. I got onto this tiny airplane that really was very, very, very shaky. Um, airport security. Do you know how they always ask you to take out all of the liquids and your laptop and all of that? I had to take out none of that. That was not a concern at all. Uh, that tells you something else. I jumped onto that plane. Again, it was very shaky. And we landed in this place called Sandakan, which is on the opposite side of the island of Malaysia. And there I was greeted by a very young looking guy, I'd say he was about 16 or so, and he ushered me into a van that had like a prison kind of thing in the back of the car and on the side windows. And in my brain, that totally made sense and that was a totally safe car to get into. He drove me then, and he was the driver, he drove me to a remote pier and I get to that pier nobody else is around he dropped me off and he left me so there I was wondering if that was a good idea and whether or not I should just get a cab and get back to where I needed to go which was safety and comfort of my home but I didn't because I am adventurous and I was already there so once I got there uh, or once I calmed myself down, had a little snack and just decided to wait and see, a tiny little boat came by. And by tiny little boat, I mean a boat that really should have been out of commission. I could see water leaking into the boat in the back. And again, in my brain, in my uh, wisdom, I decided that was a safe boat to go in. So that's what I did. Uh, this guy then, he spoke a bit of English and he told me about this turtle island he was going to take me to off the coast of the Philippines. And it wasn't too long of of a boat ride, but I, I tell you, I've seen shark fins in the water and not the tiny ones, but serious shark fins. There was two or three of them popping up between the pier in Sandakan and this tiny remote turtle island. And I was thinking to myself, I hope this boat doesn't sink because that would be a horrible place to sink. That thought finished and there is the island slowly emerging. And as I jump off the island, I realize there is only three other people on the island. And I think one of them was living on the island and the other two were other tourists. Um, I was then told more tourists would be there, but 
they have a capacity of 10 people on the island and typically they don't allow more people on because you don't want to destroy the ecosystem. You want to make sure that all the um, uh, leatherback turtles that come to the island would then be in safety and, and, you know, you wouldn't be able to disturb them. And you shouldn't really because when when a mother turtle comes on land and she digs a hole which takes her hours because letterback turtles are really heavy and really large so it takes them hours to dig that hole or that little um yeah it's a tiny little hole and they kind of perch themselves on top of that uh while they do that the turtle kind of gets into a little bit of a trance and then kind of doesn't know exactly what's going on but you can see tears streaming down their faces and as they do that lots and lots of eggs are like popping out i think if i remember correctly they can lay up to a hundred eggs every few like every few weeks uh and then they kind of put extra sand on top of them of the eggs and then in the morning hours they kind of disappear off the island um now if you disturb them during that process that would be that would have devastating effects because it could mean that then the process of laying the eggs could be disturbed and the mother would get really concerned and really scared and all of that and you don't want that so obviously you don't do that um and so we were able to do we were able to witness that in the wee hours of the day which was just really exciting we all huddled up the three of us or four of us very quietly next to the turtle and just watched her do this amazing thing and to this day it just gives me chills having been there having seen that and you know not disturbing her because that's the point you don't want to disturb her um so the next day as I was snorkeling around and enjoying the sun, uh, I noticed that there were tiny little baby turtles that were coming up from the side of one of the beaches. And I was actually told by one of the guards that I should be careful because there was um, some dispute with some of the Philippine people on the other islands and that that's why there were guards there. But in that particular instance, he just wanted me to be careful of of the turtles and so I saw a few and really turtles baby turtles they don't typically go or hatch or should hatch in the middle of the day because that's when they would have most of the predators out and that's why you typically release them at night if you have them so that they don't necessarily get eaten by sharks or detected by birds and stuff so you kind of want to be careful there so what I did, I saw this line of turtles going for the water and I followed it back up to where they were emerging from. And there I saw them digging through that little, like through the pit and try, and you could see they were just so, so exhausted, flapping and trying to get out of that. And you could see every now and then they would just take a rest, close their eyes and just hang out for a second, not move and just, you know, try to not do anything and just relax. Now, when you take like a turtle, they're tiny, right? And 
their brains compared to their bodies are very small, but they have a geolocation, so to say, in their brains, and they know where they're born. So when it's a female turtle, when they are ready to um, to lay eggs, they always come back to that island group and they would lay their eggs on one of the islands where they were born because in their minds that's kind of like a safe space because that's where they emerged so those tiny little turtles they were just the cutest thing and I followed them all the way into the water and it was just something else it was amazing now that was the only ones I would have released during the day because that's when they got up and that's when they kind of hatched. So it was kind of difficult to then trying to, you know, not let them escape or not let them go to the water. Because that's the other thing. The turtles instantly know which way the water is. But sometimes they do get confused. And if they go into the jungle, then it would be very difficult for them to find the water. So we're trying to get them to the water in good time. So... Once they're in the water, they're all good to go and, you know, you just let them go and let them live their lives. But if I remember correctly, only 7% of all turtles actually survive. So for each of the mother that lays her eggs and however many eggs they lay, only 7% of that, that's a very slow or very low um, survival rate. So obviously that's very scary. Uh, and it's very it's very sad. Um, and we've all seen lots of turtle stories. So I'm not going to go too much into that. Um, but it was just such an amazing thing to see those tiny little turtles. And see them just trying to escape. And trying to, you know, climb out of that. So those were my few days there in on Turtle Island. Um, on one of my last days they asked me if I wanted to go into the jungle and I said sure why not I'm already here take me take me to your jungle leader if you will and so they did so they took me back on the boat and on that tiny little boat and somebody picked me up at the pier and they brought me to a little different pier that would come to a river and so I was at the river and I was kind of expecting a similar boat as we had before. But instead, one of those canoes made out of, of wood kind of sighted up next to me. And I looked at, at my tour guide and I asked him if I was supposed to get into that. And he said, yeah, that's your ride. So a little bit scared, I was like, all right. So I sat down in that and they are so low that... When you sit, your hip is basically the water line. So if you were to tip that over, you'd be in the water. That said, because it is so low to the water, it really feels safe to be in there. That said, in that water are lots of saltwater crocodiles. Now, I'm not a crocodile ex expert, but... I've seen some crocodiles that would be as large as a car by size or even larger and heavy as anything. And some of them, they make the sound that is just horrifying, like that 
sound when all they're trying to do is get a little bit of air and the mouths are open for air and you have all of these sharp teeth come out but then in the water you only see two eyes just pop up next to you and that is scary I tell you a saltwater crocodile gets huge so I was not um, feeling too hot there. <laughs> I was kind of hoping we would get out of the water quite quickly. Uh, but that river ride was quite a ride. I'd say it was a good 30-45 minutes until we made it to the hotel. Uh, and the hotel was built on stilts and it was just a climb up so, you know, crocodiles wouldn't necessarily be able to get into the hotel, thankfully. Uh, but of course, it is still one of those when you hear a noise in the middle of the night, your brain kind of jumps into a worst case scenario. Uh, upon arrival on that island, uh, on that um, at that hotel, I was told that there is lots of leeches, and that I should be careful of that. Uh, that I shouldn't leave uh, in the middle of the night, which I hadn't intended, anyways. And that there's lots of other animals in that general area. Uh, animals that all could kill me and eat me and all of these things. Uh, which is lovely if you think about it. <laughs> lovely and scary. So that night, that was actually, um, I should probably mention, I'm not a seafood eater, but I do, if you offer me seafood and you cook it traditionally and you really are so proud of it, why would I not eat it, right? So that night, one of the local guys came up to me and asked me to share jumbo shrimps with him. And again, I'm not a seafood either, but that one to this day is my most favorite shrimp I've ever eaten. It was as big as my hand and the flavor of it was just to die for. And he said he gotten it from the river, which already gives me that extra bit of, yeah, you, kudos to you getting anything from that river when there's saltwater crocodiles in there. So I didn't sleep well that night. It was very, uh, it was, the jungle has some fun noises and that can be very creepy. And even though I didn't sleep well, I still loved every second of like hearing the noises and just being afraid and happy at the same time. Uh, so the next morning, around four in the morning, they asked us if we wanted to go for a river ride. Which, uh, I'm a morning person, so I was all for it. Uh, I jumped into my clothing and like protective, like sun lotion and all of that, and got into their tiny little boat, and off we went in a misty morning ride, and it was fantastic seeing a river that is murky brown and really large and fast moving, seeing that wake up, it was just fantastic. And you'd see little monkeys that would climb around and you would hear them. And, you know, some of these monkeys were quite large and, you know, they're, they're the ones with the big noses, like the bachelor groups. We saw loads of those. And then we saw the tiny little monkeys, which typically would, during the day, they would just be in the treetops. But then at night, as they migrate, they would actually walk on the ground. So there's lots of different types of monkeys. And they would just climb around and have the time of their lives and just lots of noises. And every time we would get closer with a the boat, there would be more and more noises. And it, it was fantastic. 
I think it was one of those days that they actually took us to a sanctuary for orangutans. And those, my God, are just the most beautiful animals. I, One of my favorite ones, really. Uh, the name orangutan, if I remember correctly, translates to old man or or person or tree person one of those um because their faces as you all know probably know are very human like and when you see them in a tree like you could be confused and you may mistake them for a person but there's more to that now i saw just two orangutans and one of them had a tiny little baby that must have been less than a couple weeks old hanging off her and you know like as as a person as a human you could kind of see that or interpret this tiredness around her having to feed that tiny little mouth and you know like that one is pulling on her and just clinging to her as anything else um that's at least what i pretend to see even though that may have not that may not necessarily translate to animals but it did in that second uh, and she sat there and she was feeding herself and you could kind of see her just picking out whatever watermelon she liked and leave the rest and then there is this other orangutan that came out of nowhere I have still no idea how they stealth like just appeared out of nowhere and sat down to, next to that mother orangutan and just started touching her very gently and kissed her on, on the head and then just sat next to her eating a banana or another watermelon, whatever it was that they were eating, and they were just sitting next to each other. And every now and then, the, the stealth-like one, she would just, or he, I don't actually know what gender that animal was, but reach out and just touch the mother orangutan. And to me, that was just so amazing to see that in, you know, see that in, in real life, see that connection that we as humans take so for granted, but I'll see that translated into animal life. Now, after that week, I, um, I went back to meet my friend in Katakinabula and very it was very apparent that her and I had two very different experiences. I had a week of a lifetime. She had a week. <laughs> uh, but we then decided to uh, check out some of the local attractions and just see what else, you know, the city had to offer, which was two large pythons that were draped around my shoulders. And to this day, I'm not quite sure why, uh, but I can tell you that they're very heavy and that they're very beautiful. And, um, yep, scary. <laughs> or they can be scary. If you were, if you were afraid of, of snakes, I can see how they could be scary. I can't believe that I did get to, that I did that. I can't believe I got to do, do all of that. I can't believe I got to hold snakes and turtles and that I got to see all of these saltwater crocodiles and all of the monkeys and it's just fantastic. And that's what life is about, making experiences and seeing life and enjoying it and taking care of it. In that spirit, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and happy holidays. 
If you want to engage with me on social media, follow me on Twitter at Jess underscore explores or follow me on Instagram at Jess underscore explores underscore podcast.